thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 87. Farewell, thou art too dear for my possessing, and like enough thou knowest thy estimate, the charter of thy worth gives thee releasing, my bonds in thee are all determinate. For how do I hold thee but in thy granting? And for that riches, where is my deserving? The cause of this fair gift in me is wanting, and so my patient patient back again is swerving. Thyself thou gavest, thy own worth then not knowing, or me to whom thou gavest it else mistaking, so thy great gift upon misprising growing comes home again on better judgment making. Thus have I had thee as a dream to flatter, in sleep a king, but waking no such matter. That was Sonnet 87, which is essentially one big tongue twister. Uh, you're listening to Shakespeare Sonnets. I am Mark Chesley, and I am joined by cool, quite German-looking... Hello! <laughs> that, is that how German sounds? I, I, I can do that. That, that, hello is the German word for hello. It is, but it's so close to hello. They might as well just, you know. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Guten Tag. I remember my German. Wohnen uh, Sie? I can't remember what that actually means. <laughs> where, where do you live? Where do you live? See? The random thing. Ich werde Sie töten. You live. I will kill you. Okay, excellent. That, <laughs> that's, that, that is the quintessential German phrases. They didn't, they didn't teach us that one when I studied German, I have no, to admit. No, no. No. Oh, uh, Sonnet 87. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very odd sonnet in the sense that it doesn't follow the pattern Shakespeare has been going by with his sonnets. There's a um, the end, if you if you can see it, I, you probably can't if you're listening to this, but if you have it in front of you and look it up, Sonnet 87, the end of each line is essentially almost every line ends in an ing word. And and it gives it this really weird rhythm that we haven't really seen in the rest of Shakespeare's work. Um, and, and there's probably some academic funky reason for that. I, I vaguely remember there's something called feminine rhymes as opposed to masculine rhymes. Um, oh, yeah. But don't ask me what they are. I, I believe it's to do with where the stress in the syllable is. So a, a, a masculine rhyme, the stress is on the part of the word that rhymes. So, uh, and the feminine, it's the second, or something like that. But I, I imagine it's something to do academically with that. But that's not what this podcast is about. What all I think right now is it looks slightly bizarre. So you've got possessing, releasing, granting, deserving, wanting, swerving, knowing, mistaking, growing, making. All, all the way through it. And it gives it this very weird structure. especially Well, weird in the sense of the 86 sonnets that have come before. Yeah, I, I I kind of like it though, in in an odd way. It it just I mean it makes sense. It's it's an easy to understand poem, that from the content. I I I there's there's not. I'm not sure it is easy to understand, but maybe that's because my brain keeps getting obsessed with with the the rhyming in it. What what do you think it means? What what? I don't know. It just. just Shakespeare just just kind of admits that, even though so he just just kind of put the youth on a pedestal, and then just just 
worship the youth for, for making being being his muse, basically. But but now he's sort of saying, I'm I'm not quite sure why. After the rival sonnets, after he attacked that guy, he, he's kind of saying, I'm I'm not sure why I deserve you. It's just sort of like I'm at the mercy of the fair youth, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean the the fair youth is allowing Shakespeare to write about him rather than Shakespeare being inspired and having to write. So I suppose this is the end. It feels like the end of Shakespeare's journey. He's had the uh, obsession with the fair youth, being mad at the fair youth when the fair youth slept with with someone he liked, trying to get over that, having a a rival poet kind of come in and try and take his place. And now he's chased the rival poet off. There's kind of a feeling of why am I doing this? Is that what you'd say? There's kind of a... It's it's not... I, I wouldn't say it's um, a doubt of why he's doing it. He knows why he's doing it, but it's... It's more the realisation that... The only difference between him and the rival sonnet... Uh, sonnet? The rival poet may, may not have been so much that he's better at writing than the rival poet. It, it's more that the fair youth allows Shakespeare to, to write about him okay. much more than he allowed the rival po- poet to uh, to write about him. I, I wonder if that links back to power then. I mean... Yeah, yeah, all the way, yeah, I would say so. All the way through we've had in the sonnets that Shakespeare has kind of been going, I'm powerless in your, in your beauty, but in reality it's Shakespeare's had all the power because it's his verse that is making the fair youth live on. And that's been said by Shakespeare a number of times. It's, you will live on forever because of my verse. And and that's all fine and well as long as Shakespeare was writing those sonnets for himself. But if if what you're saying here is that the fair youth is allowing it and by sort of deigning Shakespeare to write these things, it actually gives the fair youth back all that power. The fair youth could shut him down yeah. quickly by Yeah, I could just go, You 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 are not allowed to uh to write about me anymore. That's interesting. I mean, that's that. At least, I mean, I might be completely off, but that—that's what I got from it. I mean, well, how for how do I hold thee? But by thy granting, and for that riches where is my deserving? The cause of this fair gift in me is wanting. So I paint back again. It—it it just all kind of very submissive poem. Yeah. Towards the fair youth, it just kind of going. Please, please allow me to write more about you, kind of thing. And it, it goes on to. Thyself thou gavest thy own worth then not knowing. So it, it suggests as if in the beginning the fair youth didn't know or didn't believe he was that beautiful. But has now since, in, in the intervening time between Sonnet 1 and Sonnet 87, has become aware of his beauty or arrogant of his looks. Yeah, I mean, it. personally I, I would say that he's become... Well, maybe not... I'm not sure if arrogant is the right. It's it's more the kind of if everyone puts you on the pedestal, even even if at the beginning you don't believe that you deserve that pedestal, eventually you you will that will just be your normality. So so you'll will come to expect that. Yeah. To be put on the pedestal. That's... It, 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 which isn't so much arrogance as just. I don't know if there is a. It's just kind of. It is, I suppose it is arrogance, it's it's arrogance that's been given to you. You've been allowed to experience it, I suppose. If it, like with child actors, I mean, 
child actors tend to be the next best thing or utterly useless and and if they are the next best thing they're told that over and over again so they become comfortable with seeing themselves in that light and then at some point they're not a child actor anymore and they're just an actor but they've still got this mentality of but i'm the next big thing i i'm brilliant yeah and then they 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 crash like so many before them yeah so they become uh, it's kind of i i still go with arrogance but it's arrogance that they've been given yeah that that's what i'm saying though that i'm wondering if there is a specific kind of work for that because arrogance i associate more with just people who are full of themselves well i guess you would be full of of yourself by that point but but justifiably it's, so it's more because a, everyone's told you you yeah, should be yeah it's it's kind of a there's probably going to be a really obvious word for this that we're just both of us our brains aren't going to we're going to get an angry yeah, email going how did you know. not know this word you you have been yellow pressed yellow pressed <laughs> why not that sounds like a good word if it doesn't exist it now is yellow pressed I mean, I was going to go with Daily Mailed, but but that could also mean that there's a ton of naked pictures of you on a website yeah. that that talks about how naked pictures of women are demeaning. I love I love the Daily Mail website. I'm fairly yeah, convinced just... the people who run that are just are very very left wing internet trolls, and they're, and they're just, just that yeah having so much look, fun. Look at this picture of 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 naked Cameron Diaz. Why does everyone put pictures of naked women on the internet? It's horrible. It is. Look at the boobs. And then and, and, and having like a whole article about how women shouldn't be ashamed of their bodies if they've got a little bit of weight or cellulite yeah, next yeah. to adverts for bikinis. Fat shaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. The uh, Daily Mail is very, very funny. If you haven't been to the Daily Mail online, don't go because you're giving them money, but find screenshots. Then install Adblock and then go. Yeah, that, that works. And then just laugh at the juxtaposition. Ooh, good literary term of various things. <laughs> Juxtaposition, meaning things put next to each other in an odd way. But you have to use the special word. If you're ever writing an essay in, in, in literature, you have to use juxtaposition. It's not necessarily an odd way. It's just showing two opposing, yeah. two, two sides of a medal kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. It's a good word, juxtaposition. It'll give you a couple of extra points on your, your English essay if you, if you throw that in there somewhere. Even even if it makes no sense. <laughs> well, we all know. I mean, think of it this way: your your lecturer. If if you're in secondary school, your teacher's got to get through thirty five essays from everyone in the class. After the first page, they're not reading; they're skimming and looking for keywords. So you know, you make the first page make sense. Then after that, you just kind of write and a stream of consciousness and just throw in literary terms every now and then. Juxtaposition, onomatopoeic, those kind of words. That's, I should have totally done I nearly failed history one year because my teacher just he didn't read anything he he, he had like a small bit of paper like lip, just just tiny bit of paper and they just had five keywords on that and if you didn't have those five keywords you failed no matter how good your answer was you could have the perfect reply if, if that one word wasn't on there you would just you would go from an A to a B or however deep you would fall you see education it, it works just, just, just it's 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 totally a good but but then he lost his leg like two years later so karma's a bitch <laughs> that's quite extreme karma <laughs> but well, that escalated quickly it did just he did, yeah i didn't really read my students essays very well <laughs> oh shit i've lost my leg it's kind of a there's a couple yeah of steps i mean I, I i didn't i didn't wish that on him <laughs> obviously it, i just just the kind of 
you didn't take his leg. I, I no, no, he had a bike accident, a motorbike accident. Oh, it was quite sad. I'm mean, just, just, yeah. Bless him. But bike, the bikes. Why do people ride bikes? I don't know. How did we get from I, juxtaposition I, to riding bikes? I don't know. <laughs> Very farewell. The war too dear for my possessing, <laughs> yeah. Mark. Good, goodbye, leg. You're too dear for my possessing. Ah, <laughs> oh, um. Oh God, I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> if, if he is, chair is just just trying to entertain me. I'm quite ill at the moment, and and that, yeah, that's yeah, he's, he's, he's. I'm not sure if he is yellow because because it's Skype and it's, it's yeah. not yellow yet. Although my my Billy Rubin is heading in that direction, <laughs> so we shall see what happens in a couple of weeks. Just so oh dear. Um, the, the final two lines I quite like in this sonnet. Uh, thus, I, uh, thus have I had thee as a dream doth flatter in sleep a king, but waking so ma- no such matter. I I just think that's really lovely. Thus have I had thee as a dream doth flatter in sleep a king, but waking no such matter. Is this suggesting that Shakespeare's just woken up and realised that the past eighty six sonnets have been sort of our dream logic? Essentially, that 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 everything he's been feeling has kind of been the the defi- uh, have been defined and given to him in dream logic. That the fair youth is his muse, and and now he's waking up, and that's not so much the case anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it is. I mean, that that's basically what the lines are saying. I, I I've had the as a dream. So so. I I have had you like I've had a dream. It it seemed real. While I was sleeping, and and, and I was a king, mm. while while I was in that dream, because but I possessed I woke, you. But when I yeah, because I possessed you in that dream. But well, yeah, but yeah, actually, possession. Yeah, a king possessed his his. Um, we, we still had very much the feudal system at the time, just just where the capitalism was was still quite far away. Or at least capitalism as we understand it today. Yes, yeah. With with, I mean, the idea back then of a massive multinational company being above the law of any one country would would boggle their minds. When well, not not so much being above the law of any country, just being big enough to to find the loopholes and and just yeah, just find all the grey areas in Northern Ireland where they can just put all the money and go, we don't need to pay taxes. Yeah, exactly. And, and even bizarre things like we have, uh, we have fruit and vegetables picked in this country, flown to Spain, packaged up there and then flown back because it's cheaper than packaging it in our country and things like that. It, it's that kind of scale of capitalism is, you can argue is extreme and in, insane. And it's probably, I mean, I'm going to sound like, a, well, I, I am sort of on the anarchist side of politics, but I, I'm going to sound like that that is going to break down. It will, yeah. It, that I mean, it's not a sustainable system that we have. I, and I've had this argument before that the idea that the, the supermarkets sell out of season fruit and vegetables, so you can go into a supermarket in the dead of winter in the UK and still buy strawberries, is is bonkers. But I, it, it's made by those companies themselves. There is in. There's no demand. I, I'm fairly sure if strawberries weren't there in winter, people wouldn't care. People only buy them because they are there. And they go, oh, strawberries. That's, I have some sure I've had strawberries since the summer. But it, it's, a, it's a whole market that's been created by the supermarket. So the supermarket knew that by putting it there, 
even though people didn't necessarily want it and there was no demand for it, by putting it there, they've created the demand. And and well, that's that's what capitalism is, which is stupid. I mean, <laughs> Apple created several different industries that just didn't exist just from scratch. They they've created the computer. They've well, they didn't create the laptop, but but they kind of made a comeback with the help of the iBook, and then they created the, the tablet. And then they created the iPhone, which would a high-end phone, basically. That just, just no one was asking. Well, I could do like a few. Yeah. Tech blogs were just going. We really want a tablet, but the market wasn't demanding that device. And as soon as it was there, just yeah. I mean, everyone. Well, I, I guess everyone has seen. Maybe not in person. I have seen some lines outside Apple stores in person. It's insanity, but even on pictures, just. You 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 create something. You you make the demand. You you don't feel a feel fill a niche in the market. You just you create a you, niche. you create one and then you exploit the hell out of it. <laughs> Capitalist ideas. This is this is what's going to happen to India Entertainment. We will create a niche and then we will exploit it and then me and Thierry will be millionaires. Well, it, well, I'm that. It won't happen. <laughs> for India, there actually, there actually isn't. There are products where there is actually a niche and there is a demand. And just you just go, I want this. Why has no one made this yet? Kind of thing. That's, but We need to make something. We need to, we need to make something physical. I don't know. A, a cast of, of you. <laughs> we, should, we should do <gasps> live podcasts. <laughs> so what happens is someone goes on our site and goes, I would like a live podcast of Shakespeare Sonnets. And then me and you will drive to their house and we'll do the show in their living room. I, I, that, that, that could end being... Just, just Have you seen that episode of the IT crowd where they go to the German's place for, just, <laughs> for lunch? And I, just, just... Yeah. Turns out they are lunch. He goes to learn German cooking. Uh, uh, but it was a mistranslation, and he's gone to be German cooking. Ah, oh, good episode. I might watch that tonight. Huh, uh, Sonnet eighty-seven. We it, we spun off onto a capitalist rent because it's got um, possessing it's... in it twice. We're not very good at staying. Well, on it topic. is. I mean, the, the, the whole uh, and the last line, "Sleeper King." It, it this whole idea is is very much king, and I'm not sure what it, it's not. King and villager, king and I mean they're both sort of free in this. No one is a slave. No. King and and whatever they 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 someone king king and king and villager. And this poem has kind of turned that on its head because up until now it has actually seemed like like Shakespeare was the king. Yeah. He, he's he's the king who just just. He had his favourite serf, jester, yeah, servant, and he and entertained that one by by writing sonnets about him. But now he's kind of going, no, it it turns out that the jester is the king. Yeah, it's just kind of carnival. Everything is on his head. It just needed the the fair youth just needed to realise his own beauty, which which unfortunately Shakespeare has told him about. So Shakespeare has essentially created this own this situation as well yeah if yeah. in the beginning the fair youth wasn't in that role because the fair youth didn't understand he was beautiful shakespeare telling him that has actually created this situation where now the fair youth knows he's beautiful and has more power and and shakespeare is just kind of at the mercy of of the fair youth oh, i feel quite sad for bill shaky now yeah but then 
from from the writing up until the songs we've had now, Shakespeare has always been at the mercy of the fair youth. Yeah, it, it's just been that up until this realization, the mercy was more that the the fair youth being a muse. Because I mean, the, that's going to be hard to understand for for for, uh, for people who aren't writers or, or creators in any sort of way. If you have something stuck in your mind, it will drive you insane until you actually make the sculpture, draw the painting, write the story. You you will go mad. You, it just has to get out of you. Yeah. And, and it was more that, that kind of at the mercy of the fair youth until now. Rather than an active, I'm allowing this to happen. Yeah, he was... He was... A slave to the the mental image of the fair youth. The, the 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 thing in his head that made him write about the fair youth was what made him the slave. Yeah, yeah. Rather than the fair youth taking on an active role and going, write me a sonnet, write me a hundred yeah, sonnets. Yeah. <laughs> 126. Is it 126? 134. 134. Yeah. Oh, but of, of fair youth only. Um, it's less than that. So I can't remember how many fair youth sonnets there are. Uh, you, uh, you, you read the sonnet out, and I will, I will I'll, Google, I'll read the sonnet, you'll Google how many fair youth. You'll, uh, right. you'll bing it. 126 sonnets uh, uh, in the fair youth. Yes, that's, that's amazing. Well done. I'm good at this. You are, yeah, yeah. Professionals. And then, and then after that, we go into from 127 onwards. It's the dark lady. But we got to wait. Why? Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? I cannot wait for that sonnet. That's such a good one. I should read this yes, one. Yes, you should. You should. Before I recite some some of- other sonnet <laughs> from the future that we we don't know anything about. Sonnet eighty-seven. Farewell, thou art too dear for my possessing, and like enough thou knowest thy estimate. The charter of thy worth gives thee releasing. My bonds in thee are all determinate. For how do I hold thee but by thy granting? And for that riches, where is my deserving? The cause of this fair gift in me is wanting, and so my patent back again is swerving. Thyself thou gavest, thy own worth then not knowing. Or... I'll screw you, Shakespeare. <laughs> they just... Or me to who? How does sentence just... Thyself thou gavest, thy own worth then not knowing. Or me to whom thou gavest it else mistaking. So I agree. <laughs> Such a stupid sentence. <laughs> <sighs> just, what happened there? He just, just... It's like a stroke. You'll, you'll get there. So thy great... Sorry. You'll get there, don't worry. Just, just... So thy great gift upon Miss... Pre... I have no idea how to pronounce that. Miss... Miss Prison. Pri- Miss Prison. It, pr- it comes from a French prison. word. Miss Prison. I did look it up, but I can't remember what it means. Well, uh, um, I, can, I was kind of saying méprise, but I don't. Miss Prison. Is, is maladministration oh, of public office, neglect, preventing reporting a felony. So, um, Miss Prison growing would be something bad happening and growing. Something. Uh, yeah, so the. the yeah, something bad growing. Something bad growing. Cool. Understanding the sonnet while reading it as, as a finish. Yeah. So thy great gift, upon misprision growing, comes home again on better judgment making. Thus have I had thee as a dream doth flatter, in sleep a king, but waking, no such matter. 
That was the best reading I've ever done. That, I, 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 I was impressed. <laughs> I, I like it. Well done. Uh, there was Sonnet 87 with, with, a, <sighs> with a screw you Shakespeare and, and some questioning of certain words thrown in. Um, you've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets and I'm Mark Chatterley. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ent. And I've been Jerry Healers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. <laughs> and we will be back next time for Sonnet 88. Blimey. I, I'm so impressed at how high that number is. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.